It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Mike Massimino, great to speak with you again. Thank you for coming back. Bill, my pleasure. Always great to talk. This man has an enthusiasm for space that you will rarely find. And it's a perfect week to talk to you. Mike's an astronaut. Uh, He's associated with the Intrepid Museum here in New York. He's the author of Spaceman, which you can now get in paperback as well. So what a week. What do you think the marriage of NASA slash government with private industry will do for space travel, Mike? What's your sense of where that goes? Uh, Bill, I I think, uh, as you said, this is a very exciting week. I'm very excited, but so are a lot of other people uh, around the the world. I I think this really marks a line in the sand that before this, sending people to space was done by governments exclusively. And from this point on now, what we're we're going to have is that it's not just governments that can fly people into space. It's also private companies. So this is, I think, uh, the the first really big step. There's been a lot of little steps here and there, but this is really huge, putting people into orbit uh, for the first time with a private company. Yeah, we spoke on my show, I think it was Tuesday, Mike, mm-hmm. and, and you said... The 39A (laughs) down at Cape Canaveral looks like a science fiction movie. Yeah. How? It it is so different than what it looked like for the for the uh, Apollo program. I never saw it back then. I only saw see pictures of it, but I launched from it and was very familiar with it. Uh, Launched from it two times, 39A with the space shuttle, and they've converted it to this really cool looking. The access, I mean, the structure itself is pretty much the same. But the access arm is much different. The clean room area there is uh, the ready room area is much different. And it looks really modern and 21st century-ish. I think before that, it looked more like something from the 1970s. Huh. And I, symbolic of everything about it, that whole the, the SpaceX uh, spacesuit, they ride out to the launch pad in a Tesla. Uh, it's just completely different. The, the shuttle was very very manually uh, human intensive to fly it, to control it, to do everything. Whereas uh, the, the, the uh, SpaceX spacecraft, the, the Dragon is fully automating. So it's, it's really bringing space flight into the 21st century. So, so what I read, Mike, is that they, they press play in the cockpit now. You had 2000 switches and circuit breakers yeah. and, and, and now it's like an iPad is what yeah. is the description that I read. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's all touchscreens that work with their gloved hands on them too. It's uh, what we would dream about years ago, and it's all—it's all—it's like up to date. Usually, the space program lagged the rest of the world in technology by decades, because by the time you got everything developed and flown, and you trusted it and didn't want to change it, uh, you know, technology had really passed you by. So we were using computers on the space shuttle up to the point where we retired it. We were still using 1970s technology and computing. This is a whole huge leap forward. And uh, so it's a leap forward in technology and it's a leap forward in the way we're doing business by partnering with a private company. Yeah, I think about some of the things that that astronauts have created in space. And I, I always think about Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they actually created that. I, I learned that during playing Trivial Pursuit. I don't know oh. if they use a lot of it. 
but I'm not really sure who uh, who's the actual inventor. Urban legend. The reason I mention that, just listening to you talk, so they're they're using their fingers to press buttons in a cockpit while wearing gloves. Yeah. Well, I can't do that here with my iPhone. Yeah, I don't know how they're doing it up there. Huh. Yeah. It's amazing stuff. But the whole idea here, Mike, is is to get beyond, ultimately, low space orbit. Mm -hmm. And that will be NASA's mission, the way I understand it. And then companies like SpaceX and Virgin Galactic will do more space tourism, um, for lack of a better phrase, which will enable NASA to go deeper into space. What is the forecast for that? Um, Well, I think, first of all, I think it's more than just space tourism. I think that there's um, commercial companies, entrepreneurs that will also find ways to go into space and make uh, make it profitable whether it's uh, using material research or building uh, building things that you can uh, build in space with pharmaceuticals and so on that you can't do on on Earth, so I think there's going to be a reason for entrepreneurs to go to space besides just building the rocket to actually utilize zero gravity and, and use space travel to make money. And I also think for the exploration part of it, research, basic research. I think each one of these flights, even Virgin Galactic, Virgin Galactic has had a couple of successful test flights. And even on those test flights, they took science payloads with them as well. So there's a, a lot of need in the science and in the commercial uh, a- area. It's not just for tourism. Tourism, I think, is like the third leg of that. So I think they'll be able to provide uh, opportunities for for tourism, commercial efforts, and also for exploration. And by doing that, as you said, especially in low Earth orbit, which is where we're, where SpaceX is operating now, uh, with cargo, and now hopefully very soon with people, sending people there, NASA can concentrate on going back to the moon and on to Mars. But I wouldn't count out these private companies from looking at that as well. Interesting. So I, I saw a number here. Over 11 years, the U.S. Mm, government enabled these companies some $25 billion plus billion to develop what they have today. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what twenty five billion means in space space travel. I don't know. Uh, it, yeah, I, I'm trusting you on those numbers. Right. That's like a lot of money. Uh, it, yeah. It, yeah, I would agree with you between SpaceX and Blue Origin and OneWeb. Yeah. I wonder if I mean you as an astronaut, you know, former NASA. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think NASA would have been able to reach this point without the private sector, without the imagination of people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos? I don't, I don't think so. I think that uh, is a new way of thinking. When I, when I first heard about the plans for, for SpaceX and what they wanted to do, I was a, an, uh, an astronaut. You know, we're going, I was still an active astronaut maybe 10, 10 years ago or so when they started talking about this stuff. And I was thinking, well, you know, I, I had the model in my head of how NASA did it. And, geez, you know, that's an expensive thing for a company to do. I don't see how they're ever going to operate that way. And what they've shown is that they can look at a problem differently and that you had visionaries like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson, three of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation are interested in space travel. That's I think their favorite thing for each one of them. That's what they want to do. Uh, and, and the way they think the, the people that they uh, attract to work for them uh, are, are come up with some really innovative uh, ways to do things. Mm. I'm not saying the government can't. But why not partner with these with these companies that can think that way? NASA has the experience, has a lot of the technology, knowing how to operate and launch vehicles for, for all these decades. They can help with that part of it. And I think it's a very good partnership. Yeah. 
I remember it was just a few years ago where Musk was practicing this. And the rocket's reusable, and that's the whole attractive nature of this because eventually it becomes cost-affordable, shall we say, Mm -hmm. uh, in time. And they have a camera on the rocket, and they're trying to land this thing on a barge in the Pacific Ocean. Or they're trying to land this rocket on land and hit what amounts to a helipad. Mm -hmm. And they figured it out. Yeah. That's what made me a believer, Bill. Uh, when I saw that demonstration, I thought I was looking at a at a uh, you know some made up Hollywood uh, computer graphics, but they really did it. Particularly when he went out and landed that uh, that booster out on the on the platform in the ocean, because uh, that I, I can't imagine how you can do something like that. But they figured out how to do it. And again, I'm not saying NASA couldn't, but it's that sort of creative thinking, that sort of entrepreneurship of hey, if it's physically possible. We can figure out how to do it. That's that's what we need. That's what they will do. When I saw that, I was like, all right, they have in my mind, they have all the credibility in the world. I believe what what they what they say they're going to do. They they've proven they can. Uh, it pretty, uh, just amazing stuff. And, and that's what we need. If we're going to rely on the government and the and the taxpayer dollar to do all the things we want to do in space, we're never going to get there. Yeah. We've been thinking about going. Oh my my astronaut patch from my astronaut class. I was a cl- we were a class of nineteen. 19- 96. That's that's a long time ago. It's 24 years ago. On our patch, we have an image of Mars on our class patch because we thought one of us would be going to Mars. That hasn't happened. I I, I think the only way we're going to get there is with the help of these private huh. companies. You have a patch with an image of the planet Mars. I do. On my, <laughs> on my astronaut uh, my astronaut class patch from 1996, we have the shuttle, the space station. Uh, we have the Earth because that's where we're exploring as well when we're in space. And then we have the moon and Mars. And we thought that one of us would be getting to Mars. Um, sooner or later, we're going to get there. But I think this, this sort of partnership, you know, whether it's uh, Elon Musk and some of these private companies taking over operations in low Earth orbit so NASA can, can concentrate on the beyond that moon and Mars. But I also think what's going to happen is not just going to be them taking over low Earth orbit. I think they're going to be very helpful and getting us to where we want to go. Uh, well, but, yeah. Uh, the reason I find that interesting is in the mid-90s, Mars was the vision. The Mars has been a vision, I think, since the mid-70s. Uh. I mean, I think since, you know, we went to the moon, uh, the next the next th- uh, place that made sense was to go uh, to go to Mars. And probably if, if our country said we're going to Mars by the end of the 19th, the goal from President Kennedy was get get to the moon by the end of the 1960s, you know, if they said, let's get to the moon by the end of 1970s, we don't care about the cost. Let's make it happen. They probably could have figured out a way to make it happen. But we ran into the reality that you don't have a, an endless amount of money to fund everything you want to fund. And I, that has I, primarily prevented us from getting there. So um, we don't have I, I don't think we have all the money in, uh, that we would want. And the government doesn't. And we have lots of things to spend that taxpayer dollar on. And uh, we, NASA is well-funded, I think, for what it does and very worthwhile and very deserving of that money. But to get to Mars, that's, that's a really hard yeah. thing to do. You know, Mike, just a big-picture thought here. And I, I marvel at this stuff. I just think what you guys are able to do and what you accomplish, is, it blows my mind. And I think what Musk is doing right now, and I've been fascinated by all this uh, throughout the entire week, and I was talking to a friend of mine, and I, I said, what do you think? And he was like, who cares? I said, what? Yeah. He said, who cares? 
I said, why is that your attitude? He said, well, because in the 60s we were challenged and within 10 years we went to the moon. He said, what have we done since then? And I, I, I thought it was a very simplistic way of doing it. And then I was thinking bigger picture here. I, I don't know. Is he right? Does he have a point? What have we done since 1968, 69, 1970? I mean, did, w- w- do, do you ex- – and he said, yeah, we put rovers on Mars, and w- which blows my mind again. Yeah. But, uh, but okay, then here's the fair question. Over the past 50 years, have we taken this program – to a place that is acceptable, Mike? I, I think we have, Bill. I think we've done the best that we, we could. Um, the, moon, the moon accomplishment was extraordinary. And you and I, I think we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever going to be topped in history. Until we find life somewhere else, I think it was that big of a story and that big of an accomplishment. To compare everything that comes after to that event, is I don't think a, a fair comparison because it was that amazing, of, amazing of accomplishment that I don't know if you could ever match something like that. And what we did after the moon was go back to kind of a steady pace, uh, building the space shuttle, which was incredible. I don't know if you would have these these returnable rockets, reusable rockets, without what we learned with the space shuttle. Remember, the space shuttle was reusable as well. It landed on a runway, which is a lot harder than 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 splashing down in the ocean. Now I'm not not talking about the pinpoint accuracy of the returning booster, but getting a vehicle, a vehicle to glide back down on a runway after traveling in space for a few weeks is not an easy accomplishment. Being able to reuse the solid rockets like they did, it was also, those are, those are also reusable. I think we've made a lot of strides. We didn't get to Mars, but that I think was just too much of a price tag for us with what NASA was given with the resources we were given appropriately for what the country felt was important, what our leaders felt was important, I think we've accomplished quite a lot. And I think it's it, it's it's easy to go somewhere for a visit. It's harder to go somewhere and stay, just like anything else. You go on a week vacation just about anywhere. Think about moving <laughs> there and staying there. You know, it's a little tougher. I like that. Now, that's what happened with, with the moon. You know, it's, we went for a visit. Now we're ready to go back for, to stay. And this capsule comes back in a few weeks and it lands in the ocean yet again. Yeah. So, uh, well, they're going to be up there for anywhere between 30 and 119 days uh, with that vehicle. And then it'll land, it'll splash down uh, close, to the, um, close to the coast of Florida. The, the shuttle was reusable as well, as I say, but it needed a runway. Uh, so you don't have, need as much accuracy to hit an ocean as you do to hit a runway. Although they're probably going to be pretty pinpoint accurate with this thing going down. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, some of the other things with the reusability of it, with the solid rockets, they came down by parachute and landed pretty far out in the ocean they had to have a, 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 a the uh, the ship used to have to start its its trip out there days in advance to get in the area the recovery area and then bring them back to the kennedy space center and then they were by train delivered back over to more than, uh, to uh, atk out in uh out in utah filled with propellant and then then by train brought back to the kennedy space center they had more than two of these things so they were able to it didn't take all that much longer but the efficiency of what SpaceX does by flying the thing back close to the space center or to the space center. That's pretty clever. You don't have to, you're a lot closer to it. You know where it is and you can refuel it right there at the Kennedy space center. So it's a lot more efficient uh, using this new technology that they have than what we had with the space shuttle. You're listening to Hember Tom and I'm with Mike Massimino. Our conversation continues in a moment. Hey folks, it's your man Keyshawn Johnson here to talk about Angie formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. 
Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com, or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Back with Mike Massimino. Mike, two more questions on this whole concept here. Have you been to the International Space Station? I have not. I trained to go there, but when they put me on a spaceship, they sent me twice to the Hubble Space Telescope. Okay, so... Do you think in 10 years the International Space Station is in existence? In 10 years? I do. And it might be a different uh, operating uh, model than we have now, which is NASA and our international partners, uh, Russia, the countries of Europe, Canada, and Japan, uh, working together. I think we might see more commercial enterprise. And there's a, there's a couple of companies looking to try to do that, to take over the operations. I don't know if they'll ever take over all of it, but at least take over a significant amount of that. The station is working really well. We're going to celebrate the 20th anniversary of having people on board full-time. Of course, we change those crews out about every six months. But we're going to have a human presence in space on the space station. Uh, It'll be a 20th anniversary of that. Look for that in October. And I don't see why I can't make at least another 10 years. The the reason I ask that is because some have suggested that it would be replaced with another sort of vehicle or device there. And maybe it's at the same altitude. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, And others had suggested, well, half of it could be, well, you could build it out more. Half of it could be used for for astronauts and half of it could be used for private sector. Yeah, tourists or uh, there's plans. One, one, One company called Axiom is looking to launch a module that could be used for commercial enterprise. There was, there was word in the news, I think Tom Cruise is uh, interested in trying to make a movie up there. So uh, there, there could be using, adding to it and you, or using some of the, some of the current uh, volume, but also adding modules to it. I, I, I don't, unless, as long as it's working, I, would, I think it's a shame uh, to, to ditch it. And instead of building a whole new station, adding on to it, I think would be a, would be a nice idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's lots of companies with ideas on how to do that. So I, I think that makes... I think that's a more practical thing. Yeah. Uh, you've already got a lot of the stuff up there that you need, a good power source, an infrastructure. You've got a trust work. You've got ways to add to it if you want to uh, or re- repurpose what you already have up, up there as long as it's working. Uh, a lot of the computing is on PCs up there. It's on, uh, So you can replace that technology uh, not really easily, but a lot more easily than you could with, with computing that we had on the shuttle. So you can upgrade it as well. I, I don't see why we wouldn't keep it going if it was still in good shape. Interesting. Good answer, too. A couple more for you. Ready? Where are we in relation to 
the current space competition with China or India, do we still have the significant lead that we've enjoyed for a long time? Well, I, I think we do. I, I think this is, especially with this with the SpaceX launch, with the commercial crew launch. I think this this puts us right where we where we want to be. I, I think we want to always want to be. You always want to be in a better position. But I think compared to what other countries have done, um, the, uh, the 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 Russians, uh, you, when they were the Soviet Union, and now as Russia, have been flying people to space before we did. They they you know, they beat the Americans to space just by a couple of weeks. Yuri Gagarin. And then he started flying the Soyuz uh, for a while. And they've been flying a Soyuz since the 1960s. It's gone through iterations. The U.S. has taken different paths. I mean, we did Apollo. We're the only, we're the only country that has gotten people on the moon. Uh, no one else has been able to do that. And we did that 50 years ago, right? So yeah. In, India's trying, correct? They wanted India wants to do that. I, you know, Pete, that's right. They want to try. But it's a, it's, it's a lot harder to do than people would expect, right? Because no one else has done that. And I think now that we're able to, the, the, the disappointing thing for the past nine years is that we haven't been able to launch people from U.S. soil. The only way to get people to space reliably the last few years has been, for the last nine years, has been with, with the Russian Soyuz. But now I think having the SpaceX vehicle, I think Boeing's going to come online pretty soon as well. I think that's going to put us, if you want to look at it from a, a country point of view, I, think, I, I do think yeah. that is back on top. Last point on that. You mentioned Boeing. How was it that Elon Musk beat Boeing in this competition? <laughs> How did he do that? I, you know, I, I, it's, I never, I, 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 who knows? I never would have suspected. I, I wasn't picking favorites. Uh, first of all, he's got to, we've got to get the guys off the ground here on Saturday, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're a bit ahead. You know, they're ready to launch. It could have very well been the Boeing crew uh, going up there, but it's the SpaceX team that uh, seems to have gotten there. Mm-hmm. Be, uh, to, to the, and you know, yeah. Mike, I don't know what this means, but if it continues along the current path, mm-hmm. he's like Thomas Edison or Alexander Graham Bell. He is. He's a visionary. Uh, he's a he's a, a person that's able to make his dreams uh, into reality. I think Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson are like that too. They're very forward thinking. They see something that they think is important that they want to improve upon. And they do it, whether it's the reusability of the rockets or making easy access, quick turnaround, uh, opening up opportunities in, in space travel. Yeah, he is. He's, he certainly is. And them beating Boeing, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think you could have you could look at it either way. I think Boeing's working hard, too, and I think they'll be there probably not too much in the future. But it's interesting that Elon Musk got there first for sure. Yeah. Mike, it's great talking to you. Let's hope the weather cooperates on Saturday afternoon, and we will see what we get then. Thank you, Mike. You bet. Thank you, Bill. Mike Massimino, astronaut extraordinaire with great enthusiasm for space travel today and into the future. Thank you, Mike. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.